Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to see everybody here this morning. Well, as you guys can see, we're beginning a new series today on the different names of God. And some of you may be wondering this, this morning, you may be asking, well, why is that so important? Why should we study God's names? Well, because as we study His names, we learn more about Him. We get to know God better. And so I feel like this is a really important series. I heard a story about a little boy who was in Bible class and he was drawing. And his Sunday school teacher came by and he asked the little boy, he said, you know, what are you drawing? And he said, well, he said, I'm drawing God. And his Sunday school teacher said, really? He said, well, he said, how can you do that? Because no one knows what God actually looks at to which the little boy quickly replied, well, they will when I get through. <laughs> now, if I'm honest this morning, I really don't know very many people who are that secure in their knowledge of God. But what's really concerning to me today is that most people in our world don't even seem to care to know that much about God. And that's really sad because here's the deal. A lack of knowledge is really what has brought about sickness and suffering in our world. It's brought about things like anxiety and restlessness and fear. It's brought about emptiness and, and insignificance. And, and those are just a few of the things that I could mention this morning. Heard another story about a preacher who one day heard a knock at his office door, and it was a guy from the community. And the guy said, Can I come in and talk to you? The preacher said, Absolutely. So the guy came in and he said, Look, he said, the reason I'm here is because I, I just, I, I feel so empty inside and, and I'm searching for something. But he said, I, I just want you to know that I really don't believe in all this God stuff. In fact, he said, you could probably call me an atheist. I, I just don't believe in God. And the preacher looked at him and he said, well, I tell you what, let's start here. Why don't you tell me about this God that you don't believe in? And the guy went on to describe a vindictive, whimsical, drill sergeant kind of God who delighted in dishing out judgment and punishment on suffering people. And the preacher, when he was finished, looked at him and he said, well, I guess I'm an atheist too. And the guy said, well, what do you mean? And the preacher said, well, I don't believe in that kind of God either. Listen, since the beginning, since the garden, Satan has tried to keep the true God, who God really is, hidden from mankind. And let me tell you something, his strategy of distortion has been enormously successful. And Paul says, that's why the world is so sick. That's why the world is suffering like it is. Just look at Romans chapter 1. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21, Paul writes, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. 
And they begin to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And notice what he says. As a result, their minds became what, church? Dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. It's like someone once said, God created man in His own image and man quickly returned the favor. And I believe there's a lot of truth to that. When man gave up the knowledge of God, he found something else to worship, which frankly was nothing more than a distortion of himself. And the question is, what happens when a man gives up the knowledge of God and chases after all these false, distorted gods? Well... Paul tells us, right? Look at verse 28. He goes on to say, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, God abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never have done. And then in the very next verse, tell me if this doesn't sound like the nightly news. Look at what happens. Verses 29 through 31. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. That's a world that doesn't know God. Anytime people give up knowledge of God, they immediately fall into idolatry, the creation and distortion of false gods. And when that happens, listen to me this morning, understand that's when we suffer. That's when the world becomes so sick. Paul on one occasion went and he visited the intellectual center of his day, which was Athens. Athens was a place that was known for its schools and its scholars. And so as Paul reaches Athens, as he's walking down the streets, it says that his heart became troubled. Why? Because as he's walking down the streets, he notices one God after another, one distortion after another. And so, Paul goes on to say to the people of Athens in Acts 17, verses 23 through 24, he says, for as I was walking along, I saw your many altars to all these different gods. And one of them had this inscription on it, to a white church, to an unknown God. He said, you've been worshiping Him without knowing who He is, and now I wish to tell Him, tell you about Him. In other words, Paul says, it's not good for man to be ignorant of God. It is God's will for us to know Him. 
In fact, if sin had have never entered the garden, I really believe the chief occupation of man throughout time would have been the attainment of more and more knowledge of God. But because sin has entered the world, the chief occupation of Christians is to spread the knowledge of God to people who have been lied to. Right? Hear what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, thank God He always gives the victory in Christ. God uses us to spread to all places the sweet smelling of what, church? The sweet smell of knowing Him. Listen, as Christians, we have no higher mission in life. We have no higher calling in life. We have no higher reason for existence than this one thing, to be the aroma of Christ, the sweet fragrance that goes out into the world and spreads the knowledge of God to an ignorant mankind that doesn't know Him at all. Let me ask you a question this morning as Christians. Do we know, do we really know that God, the God that we're to teach? As Christians, could we, like Paul, go to a city that doesn't know God and, and proclaim God to that city? How many of us truly, passionately hunger to know God? And the question is, is that really important? Well, let me share with you two verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boasts of his strength, or the rich man boasts of his, ri his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he, what church? That he understands and what? And knows me. Can we boast about that? Can we as Christians say, I, let me tell you about God. I, I know God. Jesus in the New Testament says in John 17, verse 3, and this is the way to eternal life. To what church? To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who, sent, who He sent to earth. Now, notice, how do we obtain eternal life? Is that important? Absolutely, it's the most important thing, right? How do we obtain eternal life? What does Jesus say that we all need to what, church? To know God. And to know Jesus, who was sent to die for us. Some of you may say, well, how exactly do we do that? Well, I think there are all kinds of ways. I mean, we can just look around at creation, right? We learn that we serve a, a powerful God. We could also learn more about God through His Word. Looking at Jesus and the life that He led. Remember what Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
But I think one of the greatest ways we've been given to know more about God is through His names. That's why this series, I believe, is, is so important. Now, let me, let me ask you this question. Are names important? Any of you, um, are you concerned about what people call you? I'll never forget every time... Uh, George has passed away now, but every time I would go to Amory, Mississippi, to where Julie grew up, Julie's father had a friend by the name of George, and every time he would see me, he would go, there's old Sky," Or sometimes he would say, there's Slade, with a D on the end. And, and Julie's dad was, would always say his name is Slade. But every time, he got it wrong. And some of you would say, man, that would just irritate me. Well, you'd kind of have to know George. He was a funny guy. And our names are important, right? If not, then why aren't there, no, there are more boys named Judas? If names aren't important, then why aren't there more girls named Jezebel? If names aren't important, then why do people go to court to have their names changed? If names aren't that important, then why do parents, I mean, just fret and wring their hands worrying about what they're going to call their newborn baby? Names are important to us. It's kind of like the story I heard about the guy who was a census taker and he went off to the Ozarks in the, the backwoods and there's this little bitty house and he knocked on the door and a lady came to the door and he said, yes ma'am, he says, my name is so-and-so, I'm a census taker. He said, look, he said, I just need to know how many people live in your house. And the lady thought for a second, she said, well, she said, there's me and my husband Billy Bob. And then we've got all these kids, little Billy Ray and Susie, and the, and the guy said, no, 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 man, you, you don't understand. I just need a number. And she said, well, they ain't got numbers. They all got names. <laughs> right? I mean, names are, are important to us. We, we care about our names. In fact, one study was done on 1,500 juvenile delinquents, and they found from that study that a child that is given an absurd or embarrassing name is four times more likely to wind up a delinquent. Names are important. And as you go back into the, the days of the Bible, the Old Testament, the, the New Testament, those, those folks, they understood that, especially the Hebrew people. Right? I mean, the, the Hebrews during that day and time, to, to them, someone's name represented their nature and their character. For example, you go back into the Old Testament to, I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 25, where you've got the story of David and Abigail. And remember, Abigail had a husband whose name was Nabal. And on one occasion, David is told that Nabal's name means what? Does anybody know? Fool. And as you read the story, that's exactly what he was. Right? The Hebrews believe that your name often told who you were. And here's the deal. If you changed, your, if you changed in any way, then, then you had to change your name. 
right? I mean, Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, going again back to the Old Testament, you have God, and He's talking to Abram, and He says, Abram, He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Your wife has been barren. You haven't been able to have any children, but now you're going to be the father of many nations. That's, that's who you're going to be. And so I'm changing your name to Abraham. Fast forward to the New Testament even. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Remember what Peter says to Simon? From now on, from now on Simon, you're going, to be, you're going to be stable. You're going to be like a rock. And so... Your name is going to be Peter. Names are important. And they were especially important when it came to God. Because God's names were a revelation of His character and His person. The representations of His very being. And so again, over the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at some of the different names of God. But before we do that in this introductory lesson, I want to share with you three things as we close out. Three things about God's names. First of all, God's names are a gift of grace. Because in Scripture, to name something is to have dominion over it. Right? I mean, you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, where God tells Adam to name all the animals. Why? Because man was to have dominion over the animals. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, Adam named Eve. And I believe that was because man would be the leader within the home. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, remember, God uses an angel to tell Joseph that his wife Mary is going to have a baby, and they are to name him what? Jesus. Did you know that man did not name Jesus? God did. Why? Because to name something was to have dominion over it. That's why we don't name God. And so we wouldn't even know God's names if He didn't want us to know Him. In other words, we couldn't know God unless He wanted to be known by us. And so God volunteers His names. And so in different parts of history, as we're going to see over the next few weeks, God would unveil a new name saying, you didn't know this about me, but now you do because this is one of my names. And His children, His people, as they would discover a new name for God, would learn something new about Him that they didn't know. Now, let me stop right here and say this. There is no name in the Bible that says everything that you could say about God. As you search the Scriptures, there are some 80 different names or titles given to God. 
And even if we took all 80 of those names and compiled them together, listen, we still would not know everything there is to know about our God. But I want you to understand this morning what a blessing it is that we can study and even know some of His names. It is a gift of pure grace that God would tell us about Himself. Which really leads to this next point, which is this. God's names are an invitation to intimacy. In the Greek, the very word for name comes from a verb that means to know something or someone. And we get that, right? I mean, to to give someone our name is to say, I am knowable. Right? I mean, how many of you have ever received a phone, phone call, maybe from a telemarketer or someone that you didn't know, and the very first thing that they say to you is, who am I speaking with? Ever, you ever had that happen? And it's like, click, right? I, I'm not telling you my name. I'm not giving that out. Or, or you, you young ladies, how many of you have ever had a guy come up to you and he's kind of a loser, right? And he looks at you and he says, hey, baby, what's your name? And you're like, you'll never know, Right? Or maybe if he's good looking or you're kind of intrigued, you say, well, my name is, tell him your name. In other words, you're saying to have my name is to have my permission to get to know me better. Well, God gave us his names. And when he did so, he was asking us to know him better. He said, look, I I want you to check me out and and I want you to, to become close to me. You see, what we need to understand is God doesn't want to be a mystery to us. And I think so oftentimes that's how people view God. He's like way up there somewhere and He's so, he's so mysterious. And, and trust me, I get it. His ways are higher than our ways. We'll, we'll never be able to understand fully everything there is to know about God. But God wants to know us and He wants us to know Him because God wants a relationship with us. You see, there's a huge difference between knowing a lot about God and knowing God. For example, and some of you have heard me use this illustration before, I know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I am correct on that, right? But I also, after 25 years of marriage, I know my wife. Now let me tell you something, that is two different types of knowing, right? One is just simply knowing a bunch of facts, but the other type of knowing is relationship. After spending 25 years of marriage with my wife, just spending time with her, talking to her, I can tell you what her favorite color is, I can tell you what she likes and dislikes, I can tell you her strengths, her witness, her weaknesses, I can tell you what she's passionate about, I can tell you what she hates. 
I know her. And what I mean by that is I, I have a relationship with my wife. Listen to me this morning in a similar sense. God isn't interested in us just knowing a lot of facts about Him. He doesn't want to be worshipped from a distance. God wants a relationship with you and me. He wants to be known by us. He wants to be closer to us than anyone else we could ever know. Because here's the deal. He wants us to know that we can always count on Him. Which really leads us to our third point. God's names are a call to trust. God says, if you want to learn who I am, after you begin to know me, you'll see you can count on me. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 9, verse 10. He says, those who, what church? Who know your name will what? Will trust you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Listen, God has given us His names so that we could know that He is the answer to all our problems. That no matter what we're going through, we can count on Him. We can trust Him. In fact, there may be some of you here this morning who are feeling weak. You're feeling powerless against some of the things that you're struggling with. You would say that some of your problems are just too big for you to handle. Well, one of the names that God has revealed to us is the name El Shaddai. And it means the Almighty God. And God wants us to know that. He wants us to know that He's got the power and the strength that we need. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I know that there are probably some of you this morning who feel insignificant and you feel like no one cares for you. Did you know that another name for God is Elroy, which means the God who sees me? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, that a sparrow doesn't even fall to the ground without God seeing it. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible tells us that God even sees how many hairs that you have on your head. Why does God tell us that? Because... God wants us to understand and know that He sees everything that we do. He's watching over us as His kids. There may be some of you here this morning who are having feelings of anxiousness, fear. You're worried about the bills. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your job. You're, you're worried about your health. And another one of God's names is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. And God says, I want you to know me so that you can begin to understand that peace. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Some of you this morning may be struggling financially. Did you know that another one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh? 
It means the God who provides. God can meet your needs. Philippians 4:19. There may be some of you here this morning who are sick, and one of God's names is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Some of you this morning may be feeling lonely, and another one of the Lord's names is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. And God wants you to know He's always there. He says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always there for you. Listen, there is so much that God wants you to know about Him. God's got a name for anything and everything that you are dealing with. That's why I think this verse is so special. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a white church, a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I think this is where a lot of people make a huge mistake. Because they run to so many other things. They run to alcohol or they run to pills or they run to drugs or they run to, to stuff to fill the void that, that they're experiencing in their life. They run to trouble. But if they knew God and they knew that He was that tower... They would feel safe and their problems would feel a lot smaller. And so the question is this morning, do you know God? Bill already pointed out as we were taking the Lord's Supper just how loving and merciful and forgiving our God is. He proved that by the cross. He loves you so much that He sent His own Son to, to die for you so that you can be saved. And so just know, there, there is a God who loves you. And He wants to spend all eternity with you. Have you given Him your life? Do you have a relationship with that God? I'm not talking about a bunch of facts. Well, I know this about God, and I know that about God. I'm talking about, are you drawing near to Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Have you given Him your life? putting Him on in baptism, having all your sins completely washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. If you have, are you continually building on that relationship? Or have you walked away? Here's something else you need to know about our God. He's always there, waiting for you to come back waiting to have a relationship with you once again. This morning, uh, if you're visiting with us, we have some paper and, and pens up here. If there's something that you want us to pray about, you want to leave at the cross, you can do that. I've had several people do that. Our elders pray over these names. Or today, if you want to give your life to the Lord, or, or if you just want to know more about the Lord, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love 
to tell you about our God who is so awesome and so good and as we just sang a few moments ago, who is so faithful and good to you and me. But if you need to respond, I want you to do so as together we stand and as we sing.